Hello and welcome everybody to this week's edition of the Encounter Podcast. We're going to be going over lesson three. It's going to be for March 21st, 2021, and it's going to be Luke 19. It's going to be about Zacchaeus. The scripture selection is uh, verses one through 10, but it's going to cover a broader section of the scripture. Uh, before we get started, I would uh, encourage y'all to check out the Cumberland Road podcast from TJ Malinowski. We have a writer, a future writer, spring of next year. Um, Jennifer Newell was featured on it last week, and she did an amazing job, amazing interview, very interesting, and I can't wait to see her work for the encounter. Uh, also, uh, I would highlight uh, Easter's coming up. You can check out our worship resources pages at cpcmc.org forward slash worship, I think is what that is. Uh, but anyway, check those out. If you need some help on thinking about Holy Week or Easter worship service ideas, uh, you can find those there. And then I'm going to let my two friends here introduce themselves and let you know what, let you know what they want you to know about them. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hi, everybody. I'm Sister Becky. Uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel, Rebecca Zarty, that's Z-A-H-R-T-E, and you can join me for our bi-weekly devotional on my porch on Mondays and Fridays. I am Logan Dixon. I'm the pastor of Mars Hill CP Church in Pottsville, Arkansas, and you can find me uh, every week, uh, except for this last week, uh, you can find me most weeks on the Monday morning megaphone. I usually have a new episode out every Monday. Uh, I didn't last week, but I will this coming week. And you can also find me on the Culty Crimes and Criminal, Mi Criminal Minds podcast, where me and another pastor take on uh, different cults and crimes around these cults. And uh, this last episode was a fun one because we didn't actually do a crime in that cult vein. But we, did but we did cover a crime that revolved around uh, a Baptist church in Morris, Alabama, where the pastor actually um, conspired with his worship leader to kill her husband so he could run away with her. Oh the good news. Yeah. We covered, so we covered an Alabama church killing on the, on the culty crimes and criminal minds. So check that out. That's that's interesting stuff. I got I I haven't done it yet. I I know you posted it. I got to get post the link again. And I'll, that's yeah, and we're interesting not, stuff. And we're not professionals. <laughs> like we do our research and we cover and we cover all the facts we can. But we're not we're not professionals by any means. We just kind of read the case notes and uh, talk about it. Yeah, well, that works. All right. So our prayer for illumination today. Lord of the lost, we are quick to judge and slow to accept those whom we consider lower than ourselves. But you show us the way of acceptance, forgiveness, and peace. We honor your name for teaching us to love for the sake of the one who is the essence of love itself, Jesus Christ, our loving Lord. Amen. And I'll give uh, clergystuff.com the credit for that. And our memory verse for today is, For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. So we're kind of keeping that theme going on uh, from last week. Seek and save the lost. Hopefully mm -hmm. by the time this quarter is over, no one that has been in the encounter can say that Jesus is not concerned about every single human being on this earth. Amen. All right. Yes. Reverend Becky was our writer. I'm going to let you uh, get us uh, teed off on the introduction and then we'll, we'll start rolling. 
Our scripture selection today shows Jesus doing some things that are very contradictory to what we would do in our normal everyday life. Um, our humanity, our humanness points us in one direction, and Jesus always surprises us with doing something different, whether it's eating with these lost sinners, the chief tax collector, as Zacchaeus is, or healing this blind beggar, the blind Bartimaeus, which is the scripture selection just above this or right after this one. So this story started with a conversation I had with my dad. Um, he was trying to lose enough weight so he could have knee replacement surgery. His surgeons told him, Hey, you know, you've got 15 more pounds to lose. And he was so frustrated. He tried everything he could do, but he just, he couldn't, he plateaued out. His body went into starvation mode and he was like, I don't know what else to do. I mean, I can't like eat nothing at all. You know, that's not healthy for me either. Um, so he went to see a nutritionist and the nutritionist told him to eat more food. And he was just like, what? Like, I'm trying to lose weight. So why would you tell me I need to eat more food? But what it did was it tricked the body out of that starvation mode into starting to burn the calories again. And so then he could drop his caloric intake back down. And so then he, he finally lost the weight so he could have that knee replacement surgery. So it's something completely contradictory to what we, we would think would be the normal or the right thing to do. Um, that made it work for right. him to have knee replacement surgery. And that's what Jesus confronts us with a lot of times is something completely contradictory to what we think is the right thing to do. And that's where we're going to start today. Yeah. Um, Logan, anything on that? No, man, I think, um, I think that's, I think that's really good intro because here's the thing. We often think that if I just said I didn't have anything in here, I'm going to go, um, <laughs> But we often think that in order to get to Jesus, we have to be the right kind of person. We have to live a certain way. We have to do these certain actions. Jesus just wants you. Yeah. He'll, he'll take care of your behavior. Um, you know, Jesus knows how to deal with bad people. And guess what? We're all bad. Because, right. uh, you, you know, you invite people to church sometimes as a pastor. And I think Becky even mentioned it in... Uh, one of her sermons a couple of weeks ago where you invite people to church and they, they say, well, man, I'd love to come to church, but I got to get my life together first. No, you don't. Yeah. Just, just right. come to church, just worship with us and meet this Jesus with us who knows how to, how, who knows how to deal with all of our faults and failures. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, also one of the things that I think of instantly when, when we think about something like this, like, um, uh, everything in our, in ourselves, like if we have kids or if we have a church member or something that's struggling, you want to try your very best to do everything possible for them. And sometimes they can take advantage of you. And I know when Paul writes, you know, sometimes you got to kick them out of the church in order for them to get back into church. Right. Like, so there, there's sometimes where things or like, like maybe last week when we were talking about the father, the father knew what was going to happen if he gave that kid all that money and all that response. He knew that it, there was just going to be an absolute rock bottom, but it, it, maybe it had to happen. So maybe doing what was counterintuitive ultimately ended up with the, with the desired result. And so anywho, sometimes it happens that way. That's why God's mm -hmm. ways are higher than ours and thoughts higher than ours. I should say. Um, all right. So good introduction there, Reverend. Um, 
so far as the historical and contextual setting, you can get us going. All right. So here's what we have. We are currently in Jericho. Um, Jesus, you know, we're coming up to Easter and Jesus is in his last weeks um, and his last trip outside of Jerusalem really recorded as this trip to Jericho. So where is Jericho? What's going on? Well, it's the oldest known inhabited city in the entire world. And it's nestled between the Dead Sea to the south, the Jordan River to the west, Central Mountains, and Nebo to the east. And what we know about this area is that there was a lot of underground tributaries that crossed this. And so this is where these Natufian, I'm going to say that wrong, Natufian people um, had located themselves. And this place was just conquered and overtaken, built back up, destroyed, conquered, built back up, and just kind of over and over again. And at the point where Jesus is now entering, it's under the Roman Empire, and it is the Florida of its time. Right. <laughs> it is where all the wealthy like to go hang out. It's got a good climate. Um, and here is where we're finding Zacchaeus, who is a chief tax collector, um, and this blind beggar Bartimaeus, um, which makes sense if you think about what Jericho would have looked like in this time period. Why wouldn't you go hang out where all the wealthy people hang out? Because he was going to be pretty wealthy himself. And the blind beggar, um, where better to get some extra cash than the people that had it? So this is where I would hang out. So this is where we are finding our blind beggar and finding Zacchaeus is in this beautiful city full of wealthy aristocrats in Jericho. So um, to go a little further than the, like the, the job of the tax collector um, was um, not exactly um, a high position in the Jewish understanding of, of life. They did not appreciate the tax collectors. And we hear often um, so I'll give you a chance to respond. We hear often tax collectors and sinners going hand in hand or when Jesus yeah. eats with the tax collectors and the sinners, right? Like what was it about the tax collectors then that made them in, you know, synonymous or equal to sinners? Because like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like paying taxes either, but that doesn't make people bad. What was it that made tax collectors equivalent with sinners? A lot of your tax collectors were considered traitors to the Jewish people. Um, you know, they were the ones that turned against their own people and then extracted money from them. So what they would do is they would have a contract from Rome. Your chief tax collectors would have a contract from Rome that they had to exact this amount of money, whatever it happens to be. And that went to the Roman Empire. So then your chief tax collector would go, okay, well, I have to give this much to the Roman Empire. So you're going to pay me this much plus this much because that's his salary added on. I got to feed my family. You know, exactly. (laughs) You know, and it just kind of kept building up and building up because then he would have other designated employees underneath him, whether it was slaves or, or people that he employed that they would also add a fee. So by the time you trickled all that down, um, the Jewish culture at this time was being heavily, heavily taxed. Um, to the point where it was taxation to the to oppression, really, um, which is why they hated the Roman government so much. And that's why they hated the tax collectors, because they knew they were making a profit off it and living high on the hog while they were starving and scraping the bottom of the barrel. 
So two things. The first one is a funny story. Um, when I was a kid, um, I had to, and this is going to connect, I promise. When I was a kid, <laughs> I had to go see, uh, I had to go see a doctor at like Christian free clinic. And there was a woman who used to volunteer at the Christian clinic, um, who also served as the county tax collector. And, um, my grandpa was preaching, um, one Sunday about Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors. And it was like the Sunday before I went to the Christian clinic. And so, uh, my mom or someone gets talking to her and she mentioned that she was the tax collector. And I said, Oh, my grandpa mentioned you in the sermon this last Sunday. And she goes, Oh yeah. Well, what was it about? And I said, hell. <laughs> awesome. Nice. <laughs> you just had a way with words, even as a child. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, well, <laughs> as someone who, as someone who has to uh, pay in every year, let me tell you, I believe that, uh, tax collector is probably the most un-American elected office in the country. But um, this next thing, um, you mentioned that this was Jesus's trip into Jerusalem, you know, and he was going through Jericho. Mm-hmm. That This is really interesting for, for teachers and preachers who are looking and following the narrative lectionary, because you have to, you have to pay attention very carefully to the structure of Luke. Mm-hmm. Just because Luke's gospel is the longest doesn't mean it's in chronological order. This is very important to note because Luke's entire gospel is revolving around Jesus going into Jerusalem to die and rise yes. again. And so he's going to frame the story in that way. Um, going all the way back. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the Lord calling. I know, right? <laughs> so going funny. back to... Uh, going back to Luke chapter four, like we already covered Luke chapter four, Jesus's temptation. If you pay attention to the order in which Jesus present, or in which Luke presents Jesus's temptations, they're not in the same order as Matthew four. They're not in the same order that Matthew presents the temptations. And this is important because Matthew's order is probably the, the chronologically correct one. But Luke, the last temptation that Luke mentions is is Satan taking Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem. And the reason that's the, that's the last temptation that Luke mentions in the story is because he's framing it around Jesus headed towards Jerusalem. Uh, And so, and so I've preached this before uh, that at the end of Jesus's temptation there, where the, the, where he's taken up onto the temple, that was really the beginning of Jesus turning his face towards Jerusalem. And that's really important for you. If you're, if you're a Sunday school teacher and you need your students to grasp the story of Luke's gospel, or or if you're a preacher following the narrative lectionary, because what I found is that this podcast that we're doing is not only helpful for people who have the encounter and use it yes it's especially helpful for them but it's also helpful for preachers who may not have the encounter but they're preaching by the narrative lectionary yeah yep um yeah and and i'll just rip off that just a second like different it's good to understand how what each gospel is trying to do uh logan just mentioned luke like in john i mean like there's seven signs and miracles right like and and it's kind of you're learning about that and so the more you know about those kind of things, the better you're able to teach what each gospel is trying to emphasize. Um, one last thing I would say about tax collectors and sinners is um, 
the uh, the system was just right. I am sure that if you were a tax collector, especially when you're in Jericho and you're around all kinds of rich people, you could probably be like, okay, I won't charge you as much if you can scratch my back on some other projects, right? Like, and so it was the system that was completely set up to just mess over the poor or or to your own financial gain and corruption of all kinds. And so anyway, so imagine that I was trying to, I was trying to think of, can y'all think of an illustration of someone or something situation in which um, you could understand Zacchaeus more uh, like, I know he's a tax collector, right. But he's, I mean, like our IRS people, they just have to collect what, what Congress sets as taxes, right? Like they're mm. not. So I'm trying to figure out, what would the equivalent be but it's just somebody who's just completely corrupt always looking out for themselves a politician i'm sure would fit well right name any politician but what i was thinking <laughs> I, my mind was still set on what you said about how the situation was just right for you know pretty much oppression is what it was yeah and and this is that that's interesting because we have a lot of situations now and we have a lot of situations now where there's oppression being taken place and you could call it systemic racism. I think it's more personally, I think it's more classism than it is racism. I think there's systemic classism that takes place. Uh, and a lot of people are taken advantage of a lot of poor people are taken advantage of. Yes. And what you have in the story is Zacchaeus as a tax collector, he's coming to Jesus. Now, now we say, you know, tax collector and, and we don't really know what that means because we didn't live in the culture. So let me just frame it in this way that we can understand. Um, Zacchaeus is a person who perpetuated oppression on marginalized people. Yeah. And he's coming to Jesus. Yeah. This is, you know, it's like it's like a white supremacist in our culture coming to Jesus. It's like, I, I don't know, just whoever you have in your mind as someone or as or someone or some group who oppresses others. It's like him coming to Jesus and repenting and changing his ways. Right. And that totally goes against and, and that totally. And I'm, and I'm going to get started, but that totally goes against like cancel culture mentality. It goes against social justice warrior mentality, because once you've sent out that tweet, once you've made that statement, there's no forgiveness. Yeah. Right. So there's nothing you can do to redeem yourself in the eyes of that super leftist um, social justice warrior mentality. Uh, so, but with Zacchaeus here, he finds forgiveness. He finds grace. And we've said that in a, in an episode before, in the sense of, I still think that holds out that Christianity to me still holds out the greatest hope that not only can you be forgiven, which is one thing that it's not offered everywhere, but it also offers a transformation. Right. You don't have to stay terrible. You can become no. a new human, a new human being in Jesus Christ, and your heart can be changed. And those are the two distinctives I think of Christianity that you cannot find in a world system, political system, any other kind of religion. There's forgiveness and transformation. And uh, absolutely, that's you know, and be. transformation. You know, thinking about that, think about how many people come out of drug rehab or um, any kind of addictive whatever that they've come out of and they've met Jesus and completely transformed their lives. And that's what, that's what this is with Zacchaeus is it's this complete transformation. It's this meeting with Jesus that he takes a look at his life and goes, Oh my goodness. I'm going to pay back everything I've ever defrauded. I'm going to pay it back with interest. I'm going to 
repay everybody that I've ever hurt. You know, it's this, it's this total transformation of the mind that he was going one direction, doing one thing and recognizing that he shouldn't and just, and going completely different. That sounds like repentance, Becky. <gasps> what? <laughs> repentance? That's awesome, right? Um, <laughs> it is no, amazing. That's good. that's good. I think that's a good, good, that is a real good setup. I think we can understand the, the, the setting. Uh, pretty well from that. So let's move to the digging deeper part there um, and take us on through what you got. So here we have, um, you know, we have to understand Jesus and what people still understood about him. Um, He tried so many times to tell them that he was going to have to die and they never really understood this because in their minds, they still expected Jesus to be this great earthly messiah that he was gonna march into jerusalem at some point in time and just take over and kick roman butt and throw them all out and set up this this new earthly kingdom and he kept telling them now i'm gonna die i'm gonna suffer and they just could not understand what was happening they still had this hope for this this earthly king and our blind beggar that we have it, it amazes me uh, when you know somebody who is blind, how much they can actually see. Um, because without this vision, their other senses just take over. And here you have this blind beggar who is just crying out and calling him who he was, you know, son of David, son of David, help me, help me, help me. And the fact that he was trying to be silenced, again, if you imagine the audience that was there, Um, You know, you have wealthy people that were following, you have the people that were following Jesus all the way through, but this wealthy community and you have this blind beggar who they're telling him, shut your mouth, quit talking, quit talking. And, and he gets even louder and just cries out even louder to the point where he, Jesus calls him to stand before him. And I just, I imagine this hush that just happened in this crowd, Jesus walking along and talking and doing whatever he's doing. And all of a sudden he just stops dead in his tracks. And he's like, bring that man to me. Can you just imagine, imagine that beautiful scene. Um, And he gives him his sight back, which is beautiful and amazing. This mercy that he asked for, he was, he was given. And then we have Zacchaeus. Oh, it was a wee little man. A wee little <laughs> man with me. I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. So he climbed this this tree, the sycamore tree, to get a better look because he couldn't see over the crowds. Being his stature, he could not see over top of the crowds to see Jesus. And I'm sure you can imagine how much just talk had been going on gospel about who Jesus was and what he had been doing and what he'd done in other cities. And now he's coming through here and, and maybe just out of curiosity, he really wanted to see who he was, but then Jesus again stops and looks up at Zacchaeus and says, come on out of the tree, man, we're going to have dinner at your house tonight. Let's go. And, and then you have all of this grumbling going on. How many times do we have grumblers but now they're all complaining because he's going to Zacchaeus's house to have a good dinner party but he's going to hang out with all the wrong people and they're not happy about that and that's where we are in our our scripture so one of the things you may not realize which I don't know you might because you're kind of a lectionary preacher but 
the this reading is going to go perfectly with the gospel reading for that day. Uh, the gospel reading for that day is is Mark 10, 35 through 42 or 52, 52. And um, and I kind of expanded it. I'm going to expand it for that Sunday to mm-hmm. be Mark, Mark 10, 32 through 52. Um, and what you'll notice in that text is it's, you know, it's Jesus healing Bartimaeus. But before that, it's James and John asking Jesus, you know, well, we, can we sit at your right hand? Mm-hmm. And then he gives that answer. You know, it's not it's not for me to give you to sit at my right hand. It's for my father in heaven. But then he comes to, to Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus says, can you make me whole? Well, mm-hmm. what you have in that story, how those two stories connect is this. There's two parties. One is asking for glory and the other party is asking for mercy. Yeah. And this is, and, that, and again, this is the overarching story of Jesus going to Jerusalem to die. And so, in the face of Jesus's death, which should always be at the, the forefront of our minds in the church, since, you know, Paul said, I, uh, I preach the cross of Christ. Um, it's the cross that gives us life. At, at the forefront of Jesus's death, there will always be two kinds of people. There will always be people who want glory and there will mm. be people who want mercy. There will be Pharisees and then there will be uh, sinners and people who know they're sinners. There, there will be the, the self-righteous and then there will be the righteous who are righteous by faith. Yeah. And so, the, and so Jesus, Jesus sits at the center of that division. And you see that dichotomy played out all through scripture, even up to mm-hmm. Jesus on the cross. As he, as, he, as he hangs between heaven and earth, he hangs between two thieves. One thief tells him to shut up and deny him, and the other thief wants to be with him in paradise. And mm-hmm. so Jesus sits at the center of the valley of decision for mankind. Will you follow Jesus or will you die in your sin? Mm. I'm getting ready to preach, man. Come on with it. Um, but I'm going to go a little further with you there, too. And like when you see the stories, not just here uh, in Luke, but Luke, Matthew, Mark, anytime you see the uh, the blonde, man, there's always a story around it. There's always a teaching around it. Like a, a good sermon series would be um, Jesus's interaction with the blind folk, like um, because there's always something behind it. And it's always the blind person sees something, the disciples or or the other you know the pharisees don't see right and so that's pretty good and but i did want to notice becky when you were talking and logan this is when you when you see it as jesus standing in the middle of two uh to those that choice um also in scripture whether it's a blind person or a lame person a lot of times even jesus's disciples the one that should know like there was one time when the disciples were trying to get the kids away from Jesus, or there were people who were trying to keep the woman away from Jesus, or there was like right here, they were trying to shut up. Don't talk to Jesus. This man's, And it's this illustration that we've got our priorities wrong. Like anytime we see these healings, like we think we are like, I guess, upholding God's virtue somehow by making sure God doesn't get dirty um, mm-hmm. or get inconvenienced or something. And so then stories like this, whether it's Zacchaeus that's outcast from the religious crowd because of his, you know, supposed unrighteousness. And Jesus breaks that barrier and says, no, I'm having dinner with this person, regardless how much y'all are going to complain about it. And then I'm going to, I'm going to be attuned to this, this blind person who's crying out. I'm going to do that. Right. And, 
And it calls us constantly to see the way God sees, right? To go for transformation of heart and mind. Mm-hmm. But that's this is a good passage for that. Luke 19 is really good for, for what, what we're saying and, and the like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really I appreciate what you said there, Logan and Becky. Good work there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on that? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't have anything else on that section. That's pretty good. So off to the learning from the scripture, witness of the church section. Tell me what you got. Okay, so we have, again, Jesus is telling about his death. He's going to tell him, listen, I'm I'm going, I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be treated horribly, and then I'm going to be killed. And this is just something that's outside of their purview. They just cannot, they cannot fathom that this person who is recognized as the son of David, that he was recognized as the Messiah, um, that this blind people that we keep talking about, these blind people could see and the rest of them could not see, um, was going to die for our salvation. Um, and, and this is, Logan, I really like what you said about the two thieves because this is this profound unfathomable, really difficult to understand concept that the son of man, the son of God would hang on that cross in between the the two lines and offer us an opportunity to to bear the sins of the entire nation to of the entire world and that he would do that to just give us a chance. You know, I mean, that that's something that's so profound that so many people even today, just like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You know, and that's and that's the life-changing transformation that takes place is when you recognize that this is what Jesus has done for each one of us. This is where our life changes. Sure. And, and we have to keep in mind that the line... The line that divides humanity is not cultural. It's not racial. It's it's Jesus. Jesus is the line that divides humanity. Um, he, he said that I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And so he uses that sword to draw a line between humanity. And you are either with Jesus or you're against Jesus. And there's no neutral. There's no in between. And, and I think we functionally believe uh, now, when I say functionally believe, I mean, we, we act on this thought, whether or not we actually say it. We functionally believe there's a neutral ground with Jesus. And we just let people there and we say, well, I'll just leave them alone. They'll make their decision one way or the other. No, if they're not with Jesus, then they've already made their decision unless at some point they repent. Yeah. So I would say people's on a journey, though. I mean, like, well, we can recognize yeah. that people are on a journey. Yeah, I mean, we, we can recognize that people are on a journey, but at some point they have to get on the journey with Jesus. Right. Um, and and I heard, I think it was, the guy's name was Howard Wheeler. He uh, pastors a small Associate Reformed Presbyterian church in in Pottsville, like in my na- in my neighborhood. Um, he said that Jesus is that line that divides humanity, and I've never. I've never looked at Jesus the same way since he said that. Um, so one of the recurring themes that I'm hearing is that, you know, and, and I wrote a lesson, I think it's toward the end of this, 
this quarter where Jesus made it very clear so many times he had to suffer. He had to die. Right. Mm -hmm. And then none of his disciples, they were like, okay, okay. Yeah. But let's get on with like, they just weren't, like you said, they weren't understanding it. And I wonder Logan, something you said made me think about this. Maybe it's the thought that like those folks and sometimes Christians in their pride or whatever, think that there's something glorious or or prideful about being a Christian. Therefore, their king had to be a Messiah and couldn't suffer. And so you don't even think about those things. But the blind person or the sinner, the one that knows they're worthless, they see Jesus more as the servant who got dirty to come down to heal mm-hmm. them, right? And so maybe that's kind of, I think Luther maybe, or some of the theologians call it like a theology of the cross or theology of glory. Uh, mm-hmm. If y'all want to think about those terms and what that is, is that you, you understand, you know, the, the glory came through the cross. Right. And so um, it, it was through servanthood and giving yourself up and doing these things, opening yourself in vulnerability. That's where the power of, of Christ comes, not through forces of power or manipulation or oppression and things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, James and John, I don't think really understood that either because right. that's what I'm saying. I mean, we just yeah, have this right. thought that we, we, because we want glory, we expect Christ to be glorious. Right. And he is, right. but it's through the resurrection. It's through the cross. Right. Yeah. yeah. So James and John, they ask him, well, who pick us to sit at your right hand. But what they think is happening is they've heard, they've heard him say, yes, I'm going to Jerusalem. Yes. I'm going to die. Um, but they think he's going to ride in on battle and lead them as an army. Yeah. And that's not what's happening. A matter of fact, he makes that clear by the fact that whenever he rides into Jerusalem at the triumphal entry, which is next week's lesson, mm-hmm. he's riding in on a donkey and not a, a war horse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And even Absolutely. in that conversation with James and John, he says, you know, those greatest among you are going to be the slave of all. Right. And so he, he's constantly having challenges to say glory comes yes. through giving up and serving others. This is how this is how it's going to work in my kingdom. Yeah, I've got it's always die. the upside down. It's right. always the opposite of what we think in our humanness yeah. that gives glory and honor and power. It's always the opposite of that is what Jesus is pointing out that gives glory and honor and power. It's the servanthood. It's the serving others. It's the loving and caring, compassion and forgiving others when why should we? But right. forgiving others in that moment, that's always what Jesus is trying to tell us. Right. And so whenever Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on this donkey, they start waving these palm leaves. And I'm, I'm, I know we're getting ahead of this, but they start waving this palm leaves, these palm leaves as a sign of victory. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it looks ridiculous. He's on a why This doesn't look victorious. Right. But it does look like the kind of victory that god gives us jesus i i heard a pastor frame it this way and he was kind of riffing off uh batman but he said that he said jesus isn't the savior we want but he's the savior we need mm-hmm. right and that's yeah, that's true that's so I, true I, I think that's the the core of these disagreement well misunderstandings like we just expect something more and maybe we're upset when we, so when I'm not going to keep doing this, but anyway, when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, a lot of people say that that's, you know, you're not supposed to be scared to preach the gospel. 
in the context, Paul's saying we're all sinners. And I'm not ashamed to be called a sinner because I need Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of that, right? Uh, and so even we we read a verse like that, and it's about power and being able to stand up. And Paul's like, no, it's because you're, you're a bad person. And you have to admit right. you're a bad person to be yeah. to be led by the gospel, right? And so yep. that's a good illustration of it. This section has our uh, highlighted uh, reflection question for the week. So I want to bring that up. Uh, the reflect question is, recall, a, or I guess, it's, yes, it is a question. Recall a life-changing conversation you've had with Jesus. What was that conversation like? Are such conversations regular occurrences or are they rare for you? Becky, you go. I think, okay, I think that kind of depends on what season we're in. Um, you know, I have definitely had some conversations with Jesus that have been life-changing. Um, when I came back to the church, that was life-changing. When he really drove it home for me that I'm forgiven. Um, even when I found it difficult to forgive myself for the things that I had done, the choices that I had made, you know, just really, really made it clear to me that you need to let this go because I've already forgiven you. This has already been forgiven. So you need to forgive yourself so that you can move forward. That was a huge, huge life-changing thing for me. Um, and as far as like how often they happen, you know, I really think that depends on what season you're in. You know, Logan, we kind of um, mentioned maybe that sometimes we are in deserts, we're in dry spots in our life where we don't hear Jesus talk a whole lot to us. But then I have other moments where it's like it's a continual nonstop conversation. Um, so I really think it depends on where we are in our valley and our walk as to whether or not we're hearing him more or if he's more silence and allowing us to grow through some stuff so that we can hear again. Logan? Yeah, well, I, I, I kind of joked earlier and said that whenever I have conversations with Jesus, it's, um, I'm the one doing the talking and it's like he's giving me the silent treatment. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to just pinpoint one instance because there's been a lot of instances where God has really spoke through other people and through other mm. circumstances. And every once in a while, God just says and does something so loud and clear that, that, um, you know, it's, you know, it's him. And it, it was just this last week, actually, I, um, I've been beating myself up about some choices I made and some things I did. And, um, and I really, I don't know. I just kind of laid it all out to God and was like, okay, well, Lord, I suck. <laughs> and, um, and it just seemed like after that, everything I saw, everything I heard. And well, I'll tell you when it started, it actually started this last Sunday, this last Sunday, I preached on the 10 commandments and, I didn't realize until I got in the pulpit and actually preached how hard that sermon hit me. Because, mm. like, I got out of the, like, I didn't realize it in the study or the prep or anything like that. But after I got out of the pulpit and service was over, I was just like, oh, God, I suck. <laughs> and I can't do this. And And it just seemed like, it just seemed like after that, Every post I saw on Facebook, every time I opened my Bible, it was just, 
there was a reassurance of pardon everywhere I looked. Mm, that's awesome. And there was there was a sermon I listened to because I I don't I don't get to sit and hear other people preach, so I got to watch sermons. There was a sermon I heard from one of my favorite preachers. He's he's like like if you if I if I told you what kind of what movement he was, you'd probably laugh. And it was like you're nothing like that. He's an independent fundamental Baptist, like he's King James only. But I love to hear him preach because I grew up with that hardcore hitting them hard style, you know, and it was C.T. Townsend, and he was preaching Ephesians 2, and I was watching it, just enjoying the sermon, and then out of nowhere, he pulls this dollar bill out of his jacket pocket, and he walked up to a kid in the audience and was like, how much is this dollar bill worth? And the kid goes, 100 pennies, and he goes, yeah, that's right. See, this, it's our, it's, this is worth one dollar. He said, now, what if I crumple it up? And what, how much is it worth now? A dollar. He said, what if I, and he put it, throw it down the ground. He said, what if I step on it? What if I throw it in the trash with a bunch of other trash? He said, what if I even rip it? How much is it worth now? He said, I can tape it back together and it's still worth a dollar. And, and um, he, he put it back together. He, he taped it. He put it back together. And he said, if you believe this is this piece of paper is still worth a hundred pennies, what makes you think that God values you any less when you find yourself in, in sinful circumstances? And when you mess up and when you, when you realize the weight of your sin, he said, what makes you think God sees any less value in you? And I'm just sitting there weeping and bawling. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then of course I, I saw, Another clip where Jordan Peterson, and I'm sure you know who Jordan Peterson is. I saw another clip where Jordan Peterson was talking about the prospect of, of believing in Jesus and believing Jesus is who he says he is. And he actually started tearing up on camera. He said, what if it's about what if it's all true? And he was talking about the he was talking about the the terrifying reality of what if it is true? And he was crying about it and that made me cry and every and, and monday was just like this emotional day for me and and i and through all of that I, it's like i heard jesus it's like i heard jesus speaking to me like not an audible voice but it's just like every time i heard i, I felt like i heard jesus and he was just saying over and over again the forgiveness is real that's a good one um the last one that I kind of had that uh, I can remember was a come to what my mother would call a come to Jesus moment. Um, it was it was during, of course, all, I got all but one kid out out of the house. But I remember there toward the end, the middle kid, Marcus, he uh, we were just it was dad and kid fighting like we were just fighting about everything, just everything. It's like, we, I couldn't be like, good morning without him thinking, well, you don't like me now. Or he couldn't say something and be like, oh, you're smart. Like, right. I mean, just, it was like every moment we were just at odds. And that's when I, you know, I was like, okay, it's time for him to go. He's 22, 23 years old. It, you've got to get out the house because, but I just remember um, I was, it was getting to a point to where like every, he lived, you know, he, we, he has a, room downstairs and we're upstairs if i heard him just footsteps coming up i'm like man like i, I would just go in another room because i didn't know like how to handle it and he couldn't stand having me around because he knew i was going to say some smart aleck comment and and so anyway um i've said before that i think it's you know 
family is is a sacrament. I mean, because that caused a lot of wrestling for me. I didn't want to view my kid that way, and I don't want him to view me that way. And so it caused a, a talk between me and God. Number one, maybe I was more concerned about him doing what I wanted him to do and squeezing out any possibility of God. Like, really, like mm. I wanted him to be mini me. I mean, I knew right. that was something that happened uh, after talking with, with, with Jesus all about my troubles. And then the second thing was, um, like, in some sense, I was, I knew my love wasn't exactly pure in the sense of to him because, like, I was being upset uh, because he wasn't submitting maybe to me or we just didn't agree, whatever. Anyway, I just remember praying and thinking, you know, I've got to, I've got to calm down. Like even my kid is not worth me suffering my spirituality. Right. Like, right. And so I thought, you know, that, that shows a misplaced priority. I remember thinking and praying, I'm like, it shows a misplaced priority. If, if any of my relationships, wife, kids, whatever can pull me away from, from where I need to be with God. And it was, it was bad. And so mm-hmm. that was the last real come to Jesus meeting. And that's helped me quite a bit, actually. I've mm-hmm. been less, I, I think God formed something in me in that one that, that, you know, I couldn't fix something and, and I hate it. I hate that. I hate that. Right. Uh, so anyway, that was my come to Jesus meeting. And so are they regular occurrences? Not those kind. I wouldn't say those are regular occurrences for me. I've been in a situation where like I've had to repent and me and Jesus have had to talk and, but th- those aren't every day. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Good I would thoughts. love to hear uh, if some of y'all um, out there respond. I'll have this on Facebook and different places, but I'd love to hear maybe some of the things that, that you might share. Sure. Uh, and, and if your response isn't heretical, we'll put them on the podcast. Right. Right. That's pretty important. <laughs> um, all right. That leads us to the apply in the scripture section. Share some insights with us, Becky. All right. So what did we learn? Well, Jesus had compassion and love for all of those who could and could not see who he was. And we're supposed to do the same. That whole loving our neighbors as ourselves, whether or not they see Jesus the way we see Jesus, we're supposed to be those examples and and share Jesus in this amazing way. And I I really, I kind of focused on the children and applying the scripture. Um, You know, because a lot of times we discount or discredit the wisdom that comes from kids. We laugh about, you know, out of the mouths of children, you know, cause they can say some pretty amazing things and we're like, ah, oh my goodness. But at the same time, there's profound wisdom that can come from, from surprising places, including children. Um, you know, I've, I've had many conversations with my daughter who is now 20. Um, and when she was younger, I would say, you know, I would kind of vent my frustration about something and just the way God used her and said something so profound and amazing and full of wisdom to me in, in this little human (laughs) that I did not expect this kind of wisdom to come from. Um, it was always, always surprising and, um, surprising and shocking, um, how Jesus can use all of us 
um, to, to proclaim his love, his care and compassion. It's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, I think last week, maybe we talked a little bit about when we put ourselves in vulnerable situations and minister to someone. That's been a place where I've often found people who have some spiritual insight that I don't have. And it comes from, you know, the fact that I'm comfortable all the time. And there's people who actually, honest to God, have to pray for daily bread. And there's some spiritual wisdom I don't get there. Right. Good point. All right. Um, Anything to wrap us up? Love people. Right. Care about people. people. Um, You know, look at your situation and circumstances and what's going on around you and apply the kingdom principles, which are upside down from our humanistic principles. Those people that we don't think are worthy are worthy. Those people that we don't think have wisdom have infinite potential for wisdom and we just have to let god work through that i think that was uh that was our was that our warning <laughs> that is less that is, is our over noon sirens going off sorry <laughs> yeah that we had that i just had that while ago well well we get ours on saturday i think it's the third saturday at noon is when we get ours most of the time so um, tornado in arkansas nope it's just tornado warning just tornado warning. You got to check it. All right. Well, um, blessings, friends. We'll see you again next week. Becky, I think you got one more, right? Next one until until May. So look forward to it. Logan, blessings on you. And uh, we will see everybody next week.